In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Amen. Please sit. That's some collection of readings this morning, huh? (laughs) If I was going to try and touch them all, we'd be here all day. So I'm not going to do that. Um, But know that I'm very sad that I can't do that. (laughs) Because there's some good stuff in all of them. For the last week or so, I have been reading a book written by the Right Reverend Mark Eddington, who is Bishop of the Episcopal Convocation of Churches in Europe. It's called We Shall Be Changed, and it's a collection of questions for the, quote, post-pandemic church, which is ironic in itself, I think. Published in 2020. (laughs) Right? And I want to be clear to say that I think there are some really good thoughts and really good questions in there. It's a number of great writers and thinkers. But it comes from an interesting moment in that it's published in 2020. It's sort of right when we were in the midst of things, right? Still in the middle of lockdowns and um, churches being closed. And that's very present in the minds of the people who are writing. And yet their tone is profoundly hopeful about how we will be changed, about what we would learn from this time of pandemic, which I think they presumed would be over by now, so that's the first issue. None of us knew how long it would take. But I have been particularly surprised with myself. I actually had to put it down for a little while because of all the feelings I'm having as I'm reading this. Because I am uncomfortable, disappointed, certainly not hopeless, but um, kind of moving in that direction as I read about their tremendous hope that we would be changed for the better by this time. And I think when I say we, I'm referring especially to the church, but also we as a society, we as a people, as a species, that we would learn something from this time of pandemic and come out different on the other side. And I want to say that as somebody who believes in Jesus and believes that there's always hope and there's always light at the end of the tunnel, it's not hopeless so much as it is just sort of um, frustrated. And it, it doesn't feel to me like the image of the world that they were hoping for is the image of the world that we have. What are the lasting lessons, do you think, of this time of pandemic? What do you think the lessons are that the vast majority of people around us have taken in? Have we as a society become kinder, gentler, more patient? Do we value human life more? Do we go the extra mile for our neighbor for the sake of love? Do we respect the dignity of every human being? As a priest and as a resurrection person, I want to say that I think that we are learning about those things and that there are some bright spots. But for me personally, I am not sure that the takeaways have been as concrete and as sweeping as maybe we hoped at the beginning of the pandemic. Now, personally for me, I think that I learned a lot. I grew a lot. Maybe you feel the same way individually. I think individually as people, I've heard from a lot of people that have learned how to prioritize things differently, learned to value pieces of their life differently. There have been lessons and bright spots. 
But if you twist my arm, I think what feels most true to me about us as a people, as a society, as a group of beings, I think it feels to me like we are less patient and less kind. And on the whole, my experience is that people are less willing to extend themselves to others. If you don't feel that way, I hope you'll come tell me that after the service. But I do see some of you nodding, like you do agree with me. And it's just, it's a challenge, I think, to feel that way. Perhaps you've noticed in yourself that your own temper, your own being has changed. Or you've noticed it in the people that you love. For me, I, what I have noticed about myself is that I have a slightly shorter temper for the way things are. It's not for people, actually, because if you've ever heard me joke, I inherited my, quote, temper from the Scottish women in my family, so I don't get angry, I just remember it for a long time. <laughs> But what I am frustrated with is the way things are and how things feel heavy and that it feels like things just don't move forward the way that they used to. And I mean everything, from little things to big things. Maybe it feels that way to you, too. Like sometimes people are harder on you, less willing to listen, less willing to have an open conversation. Maybe even your patience runs thin more quickly. Maybe you feel tired and frustrated. I can't tell you how many people I hear that from now, that it takes a greater effort to sort of make it through the day, that this isolation that started during the pandemic seems to have done something to us. And it just seems that things are harder, heavier, everywhere. In fact, I say to the vestry pretty regularly in my reports that I'm spending a good chunk of time, more than, more than before the pandemic, actually, having conversations with people who are hurting. And so as the leaders of this place, we need to be aware, to be gentle with each other, and to be gentle with ourselves. People are struggling with all kinds of things, not just here, obviously, but all around us. And some of that has been exacerbated by the pandemic, by the isolation, by the challenges of that. And yet, it feels to me still like over the top of that, there is this, this tension, this rhetoric, this division that verges occasionally on the vitriolic that surrounds us. It's not just the news, but it's certainly in the news. But I think it's something that sort of has started to leak out into everyone's everyday lives, into the lives and the relationships with the people we love. And it's not only a sign, I think, of the stress that people are under and the ways in which our relationships have frayed, but I think for us as Christians, there's something here that we need to pay attention to that should mean something more for us, that should call us to something more. And so as I was kind of hunting around this week, one of the other pieces that struck me was a quote by the author Charles Blow, who wrote the, the book Fire Up in My Bones. It's a great, great read if you ever want to read a fantastic memoir. And one of the things he said was, one doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm. The absence of empathy and understanding are sufficient. Meaning that we don't even have to be trying to hurt people, right? We can do great harm instead just with the callousness that we exhibit 
the absence of empathy, the unwillingness to hear someone out, to try to understand, the ways that we throw up our walls and decide to close off relationships and not participate, that does sometimes more harm than we know. Sometimes, even with the best of intentions, we can hurt other people. So, with less than that, of course it makes sense. And I think in the gospel this morning, that's in large part what we're hearing from Jesus. I think he knows, too, that these relationships can be frayed and that there is rejection in them. Jesus is very clear he's sending the disciples out, his friends, his followers into a world that will not always want to hear them, that will not always want to engage them or understand them or hear the good news that they bring. It's a world that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. It's not always keen to hear that the kingdom of God has come near. And that's for a whole host of reasons. Perhaps chief among them is that their vision of the kingdom of God doesn't quite look like what we're talking about. Isn't quite what they expected isn't quite what they wanted. And at the end of the day, we all have an opinion, don't we? And that's not entirely a bad thing on what exactly we think that kingdom looks like. The prophets and the disciples who describe that kingdom aren't always welcomed with open arms. We hear that all the time. Even in the text from Hebrew scriptures this morning, the prophet heals someone and still receives the ire, does the right thing and still collects the madness the vitriol. And so in some ways, I think that Jesus sends them out at this moment in his ministry ahead of him, knowing he's coming after them, to give them a chance to see what that will feel like, to see what that will be like. We are not at the end of the story yet with Jesus. He has quite a lot of work here still to do. It's about nine or ten chapters left in the Gospel of Luke. So the fact that he's sending them out early he must have a reason for that. And perhaps part of it is because he knows that they need to, in some way, experience a little bit of this rejection, a little bit of what he will experience. And to be fair, it's nowhere near what he experiences when he makes his way to the cross. But it is a chance for them to share in that ministry and to understand what it is to put yourself out there and not be received. Now, as Christians and as a part of this community, we too are sent out into the world. And there's good news in that, in that the first thing that we read in the gospel this morning is that they are sent out in community. It's not one by one. It's not like John had to go all by himself to that one lonely place where they were going to be mean to him and send him away. They have each other to lean on. And in some ways, they have tremendous power within them to do really good things. Jesus has equipped them for this work. And they do remarkable things while, we're, while they're out there. And yet, <laughs> I think it's present in the gospel that there is this feeling of hurt, rejection. That whole paragraph about needing to wipe the dust off your feet and move on. Jesus is anticipating that they will be hurt. Now, in the world and the country and the community that we are surrounded by, where so many are struggling, where even I think the fabric of who we are is being torn, I think as Christians, we have an obligation to 
do our best to remember we are among those who were sent out and to resist this malaise, this deep grief and individualism and isolation that the pandemic has brought about. We have a greater responsibility to God and to each other, to, as another imperfect human would say, as Gandhi would say, to be the change that we wish to see in the world, to be that dissenting voice of hope, knowing that we have within us that tremendous power that God has given us to go and be kind, to go and be gentle for the sake of Jesus. And to understand that not everyone is going to want to receive us. Not everyone is going to want to receive the good news that we bring. And as we've talked about in the last few weeks, that good news is not always what everyone's looking for. It asks quite a lot of us. But as I read this gospel for this morning, I couldn't help get away from that feeling that even though things feel messy, Jesus wants to send us out into it to be different, to help, to change things. And so on this long weekend, when many will celebrate the freedom of this country, I hope that you will hold something even nearer to your heart than that. And it's the invitation for you to remember that you are one of those disciples that Jesus is sending out into the world. Sent out, thanks be to God, in community, with relationships, with help, so that we can support each other, with companions, to share the good news, and also to share the stories of, man, that really hurt. We need that. And as you do that in the midst of this broken and frustrated season, as we try to be patient together, and kind and forgiving and understanding and gentle together with ourselves and with others, I hope that you will let the good news that there is space, that you can breathe, that there is love and there is healing to be had, and perhaps healing even within you and for you and for your relationships. Remember, at the end of the gospel, the disciples are amazed at what they have been given power to do. And if someone hurts you in this process while you are trying to be extra kind or doesn't receive your good news or your witness or worse, then I pray that you'll tell the story to someone who loves you and then shake the dust off your feet and let it go. Because you are the beloved of God. And the road of kindness to which God calls you and to which God calls us, it may not always bring us kindness in return. But it is the road, I think, that leads us and all people to actual freedom, to a place where we can put our burdens down and look with wonder at what God has done. Remember that you never go alone. And where you can, try to breathe some of that peace and kindness and love back into this world and try to accept it when it comes your way as well. Amen.